Welcome to the Rooftop Podcast. It's about uh, 6.30 a.m. in uh, Crystal City, Virginia, just outside Washington, D.C. Going on one of my walks with you. This is an Afghanistan edition. I'm uh, walking down by the Potomac River. This is a beautiful walkway down here that was was built, I don't know, a couple years ago, but uh, it's pretty peaceful. You can see the Washington Monument off in the distance. A lot of the symbols of our nation that, um, as a young man, I was enamored with. And uh, I still am. You know, I still look at that monument as I'm walking and the sun's just now starting to come up and reflect off the river and um, I still look at it, but not with the same bright-eyed awe that I once did when I was a young man and I came here as a lieutenant just starting my service in the U.S. Army, 1991. A lot has changed since then. A lot has changed. I'm uh, up here in uh, in D.C. to try and uh, wow, that's loud. <laughs> to try and formally assemble this task force pineapple in a way that maybe can meaningfully make a difference in this crap show that is the Afghanistan withdrawal. And uh, the topic I'd like to throw out today, because it always helps me to just walk and talk with you, if you'll endure some of the ambient noises around me, is nobody's coming. What do you do when nobody's coming? I first heard that term from a friend of mine who's a speaker, coach, uh, Bo, named Bo. He, uh, He was talking about leadership and he said that, you know, nobody else is coming. What if nobody else is coming? What if nobody else that we think is supposed to lead us is coming? I think it's just us. That was years ago, five, six years ago, that really stuck with me because I had already retired from the army and I was already looking around at my society and it seemed to me that there was indeed an absence of leadership at the formal level, an absence of leadership in politics, an absence of leadership at a community level, an absence of leadership in corporations, or at least some bastardized version of it that was not worthy of the people who were doing the heavy lifting. And in the years that have followed since my retirement almost nine years ago, I've come to believe that not only Do I agree with Bo, but rooftop leadership has accepted that as a rally cry for anybody that considers themselves a rooftop leader. There has to first be an acceptance that nobody else is coming. That when you look around at your world, you look around at your community, you look around at your school, you look around at your workplace, Nobody else is coming. Nobody else is gonna come fix it. Nobody else is gonna come square it away 
And if they do, they're only doing it from the top down at a cosmetic level to advance their agenda. As I look at what's happening with the Afghanistan withdrawal, and I look at the sequence of events that happened over the last month where the country rapidly fell, the political and senior military leadership made an irresponsible decision to give back Bagram Air Force Base and other pieces of key terrain that we could have held until the end and evacuated orderly. And one by one, the provinces fell and thousands and thousands and thousands, I'm talking maybe as many as 50,000 people and our own American citizens were caught completely unaware and trapped behind lines with the Taliban. People who we had a commitment to recover, to provide safe passage to. We completely abandoned them as a nation while the world watched, while our children watched us. Think about that. You know, this is the kind of thing as a parent, you know, when you're around your kids, at least the parents that I know, one of the things that we always take into account is that our children are watching us, right? You know, if, whenever, because you, you start to demonstrate some level of bad behavior or you start to say something that's probably inappropriate and you look over and your child's watching you and you adjust because your children are watching. And that is exactly what's happening right now. That is exactly what's taking place. Our children are watching us. And as this happened, as, as we saw thousands upon thousands upon thousands of Afghan partners, allies, who we had made a commitment to, who had stood with us, who had, my friend Nizam took a bullet to the face <laughs> and still kept fighting. You know, they were abandoned. I just couldn't sit with that. I couldn't sit with that personally. I didn't even think about my kids watching at that point. It was just... I'm not going to endure another moral injury brought about by inept leadership. And, and that's exactly what this is. This is a failure of political leadership and it is an absence of leadership. Nobody's coming, you know? But, but, but what's striking to me about this, really, as I, as I walk and think, is that a group of veterans and a few civilian supporters looked at this situation and said, okay, nobody's coming. No one is going to step up and do what needs to be done. I'll do it. I'll lead. I'll, ta I'll, I'll, I'll take charge, whatever I have to do. And, and they did it at a very personal level. They didn't look for accolades. They didn't look for recognition, they didn't look for credit, they didn't ask permission. They simply saw that nobody else was coming, they saw the gap, they saw what needed to happen, and they stepped into the arena and they took action. And as I look at this country today, that's what's missing the most. You know, that's what's missing from how we exist, how we operate, is that absence of action at a local level. And if it is, it's usually against one another. But in this case, 
at least by the latest poll, 81% of the American people are rallied around the issue of helping Afghans find safe passage and resettle in the United States successfully. 81%. When's the last time the United States was rallied around 81% of anything? I'll tell you. It was 9-12-2001. And how long did that actually last? But yet, you know, I went on Chris Cuomo the other night and he said, this is not a left thing, this is not a right thing, this is an American thing. Shortly before that, Glenn Beck and other conservative commentators said the similar things. You know, the point here, I believe, is that there are some common, common factors that we really need to consider when we think about leadership. And one of them is nobody's coming. You know, as a guiding principle, I, I think it's important to consider the fact that nobody is coming. That the, 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 the level of leadership that many of us require, that many of us are counting on, or that we've come to accept, it's not there. It's not going to be there. But that's okay. That's all right. It really is. There, there are going to be more and more realities in your life and my life where the people whom we've come to be accustomed to leading don't lead for a range of reasons. I mean, why is the government, I had this conversation with my son, my oldest son. He's like, you know, dad, I'm embarrassed that you're having to do what the government, what the military should be doing, what the state department should be doing. Train coming, just hold on here. And by the way, when, when, when I say, when he says what you're doing, my goodness. And by the way, when he says what you're doing, he's talking about every veteran that has stepped into the breach and, and helped fill this gap. And in some ways it is frustrating. In some ways, it's really hard to look at this and, and, and understand how in the world could this happen? How in the world could there be such a public-private um, relationship in this situation with so much emphasis on the private and such absence of the public, of the government? It, it doesn't even seem possible that this is happening, but it is. And I think, listen, you all, here's where, here's where we're going. This is where I want to go with this. And I want you to, I want you to try this on. I think... This is a harbinger of what's to come. I think this is a shot across the bow. I really do. You know, I, I, I keep waiting for the moment when the American people get tired of this, or I keep waiting for the moment when, you know, our attention span wanes, as it often does. I keep waiting for the moment where division sets in with the media and it becomes politicized. And maybe it will, but it hasn't. It hasn't. It's been almost a month. You know, it's been almost a month. And I have to ask myself, what's really happening here? What's really happening here? You know, and what I believe and what I hope to be the case is that we, are, we have been presented with a situation that is morally wrong. It's morally wrong at, at a universal level, right? But, but, and, and our combat veterans in particular 
were confronted with this because of what they endured in combat. And then they were asked to leave people behind in a way that just w literally would create a moral injury with them. And, and we can't take any more moral injuries. And they look around and they see that nobody else is coming. They look around and they see that their government, their State Department, their DOD are keeping the gates closed for the most part and that they are not going to let anyone in, that they're not going to honor the promise, honor the promise. And they're not good with that. They just, they're not good with that. They can't live with that. They can't accept that as a solution. And so they see that nobody's coming and they step into the breach. They step into the arena and they lead. They say, fine, nobody's coming, I'll lead. They don't surrender their agency to the proponent. They don't surrender their agency to the quote unquote person in charge. But isn't that what we've done for most of our lives? Surrender our agency to the person in charge? Surrender our agency to the person that we're told has the helm or knows what they're doing? But what if they don't? What if they don't? What if we've in a subtle way been conditioned all of our lives to give our agency and our trust away to leaders who are not qualified to lead us. And look, I'm talking on both sides of the political spectrum. I am talking about at a corporate level. I am and I'm not talking about some, you know, anarchic stand up against leadership. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm talking about runs much deeper than that. What I'm talking about runs at an individual level too, where we have to assess who are we giving our agency away to? Because humans are meaning-seeking creatures. We navigate this world by seeking meaning and then assigning meaning to the situations that we face, that are put in front of us, to the local context that we're presented with. We assign meaning to that. It's how we operate. And yet, as you look around at this thing that happened in Afghanistan, we could not find any meaning in it. We could not find any purpose in it at all. It was completely devoid of purpose. It was completely devoid of emotion. It was completely devoid of commitment and loyalty. And most of all, it was completely devoid of honor. And veterans knew it. And I think the American people knew it. And I think Spain knew it. And I think France knew it. And I think Great Britain knew it because they all all their press agencies called and they wanted to understand what was happening. And for all of us, I think this is one of those moments where whether or not you were involved in this, we can step back from it and really say, what, what's happening here at a larger level? You know, I, I think that we are approaching a time and I certainly think our children are approaching a time where we have to take leadership back. We have to take leadership back. We have to assert ourselves and play a bigger game in leadership. We have to assert ourselves and play a bigger game in punching above our weight, even if we feel intimidated, even if we feel outclassed, even if we feel that what we bring to the table isn't enough. Because I promise you, let me tell you, I promise you, I feel every single one of those things right now and, and, and 10x more. As I walk around here in DC, trying to get my head straight, figuring what in the hell am I gonna do today with this planning session? How am I going to even remotely bring these folks together in a way that is coherent, that can actually, actually fill the gap that the State Department 
and the Department of Defense are not filling. You talk about feeling out over your skis. You talk about feeling like you're punching above your weight. Brothers and sisters, I am feeling that hard, as, as are many combat veterans right now. But we've been at it for a month. We've been at it for a month. And, and, and what happened and what is happening as we look around is that you get this note from, you know, a gold star mom that says, thank you. Or you get a note from an Afghan in duress in Afghanistan on 9-11 that says, brother, I just want you to know I'm thinking about you on this day. I mean, this is who we are, you guys. Like, this is who we are. This is how, who you are. This is who I am. You know, the, the, these politicians and these other formal leaders who have become obsessed with what they have. They have become obsessed with what's at stake in terms of their own advancement and what they'll lose. They've been obsessed with the bureaucracy and not the connection. They, they've lost their way. They've lost their way and they're not coming. But that's okay. That's okay. I, I believe that there is a path in our life that we're able to walk, we don't have to have this reliance on leaders, formal and informal, that we think we do. We have much more agency in our life than we give ourselves credit for, much more. We have much more capacity to lead our family, to lead our community, to lead our business, to lead our nation, than we give ourselves credit for, than we are conditioned to believe that we have. I mean, the, 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 a lot of the, the formal leaders out there today, they would have you believe that, that you need them for everything. You need them to feed your family. You need them to have a job. You need them to be happy. But the fact of the matter is, happiness is found, according to Robert Putnam, award-winning anthropologist, not through material gain, not through rank or experience or advancement in one's career, but through the relationships that you have. Happiness is found through the social capital that we build in our life. And doesn't that make perfect sense when you just stop and think about it? Doesn't that just make sense? Isn't that truly, when you think about that ultimate metric in your life of whether when you take your last breath, will it be a shallow breath or will it be a full breath? Will it be a shallow breath of a life unlived that you hauntingly realize in the final moments of your life? Or will it be a deep breath, a breath of relationships and connections and punching above your weight and putting relationships before transactions in everything that you did? Which one? The, the latter is the one I'm choosing. The latter is the one I want because that's how I leave my tracks in this world. That's how my children have a true north for their life. And I don't know what the outcome of that is. I don't. I don't know how this thing's gonna end. I don't know if it's all gonna fall apart. I don't know if you know they're gonna come after me or someone else, but that's not the point. It's, it's just not the point. The point is, what are we gonna do with the time that we have here? What are we gonna do? Is it gonna be a, a deep breath or a shallow breath? Because nobody's coming. We have to make that choice ourselves. We have to choose. We have to, we have to dismiss this notion that somehow we are obligated to give our agency away to unqualified leaders. 
You know, Robert Putnam talks about this in his book, The Upswing. He talks about a period of time in the early 1900s where things were very dark. Things were getting really bad. You know, crime was rampant. The cities were sweltering uh, with problems. Uh, there was a, an influx from the farms to the cities, this mass uh, migration into the cities. There was corruption in politics. There was huge division in politics. And many people, pundits, were predicting the, the, the end is near for the United States. And, you know, and there were other problems too, like you know, race was a huge problem then, even worse than it is now. Equality for, the, for genders was a huge problem. But in that darkest moment, a couple of alcoholics came together in Akron, Ohio and said, you know what? Nobody's coming. Nobody's coming. I think I am going to start. Let's start. Let's have a meeting. <laughs> Let's call it Alcoholics Anonymous. And all these years later, this was like 19 something, 17, something like that. All these years later, Millions and millions and millions of people are sober, me included, 20 years sober, as a result of those two men sitting down and having a meeting. Similar community groups emerged across the country, the Shriners, the Kiwanis, the NAACP, the Junior League. All of them, the future farmers of America, future homemakers of America. All of them because they saw that nobody else was coming, <laughs> that there was a gap, nobody else was coming, it's just us, let's step in and lead. And if nobody else is going to lead, then I'll do it. You know, and, and I believe that we are actually on the cusp, my God, it's loud here. I believe that we are actually on the cusp of a movement, of an upswing. I think it is absolutely possible for our life. I think it's more importantly, I think it's possible for our children. You know, I think we're at a point in our history where we're looking at our leadership. We're looking at what they're bringing to the table and we're saying, you know what? Not happy with that. Not good enough. It's just not enough. You're not invested. You know, I think about that Lieutenant Colonel Marine who lost his Marines in um, Afghanistan at the gate. And he went on Facebook and he shot a video and he demanded accountability from his senior leaders. He demanded accountability all the way up to the commander in chief. And he was willing to resign his commission over it, to give up his, com his command, and he did. He gave it up and you know could face, could face criminal charges as a result of what he did. But what he said really, stu really stuck with me. He said, you know, if you're not willing to, and I'm paraphrasing, if you're not willing to risk everything, then you're really not in charge. So let me ask you this, as you look around your landscape today, as you look around the political environment, as you look around the um, corporate environment, as you look around your community and the leaders in it, how many of those leaders are actually willing to risk it all? How many are willing to risk it all? How many are willing to even risk half of what they have to include their status, to include their rank, to include their position in life? How many? How many are really willing to risk it all? Now think about if you're a parent, think about your kids, right? How much are you willing to risk for them? 
How much would you risk for their future? How much have you risked for their future? A lot more, right? Well, then why in the world would you or I put our agency in the hands of leaders who are not willing to risk a fraction of what they have, yet we will risk almost everything we have for our businesses, our children, our marriages. We'll put it on the line, but they won't. Yet we continue to accept it day after day, month after month, year after year, until we become conditioned in a subtle way to just think that's what leadership is. That's just what I've got. That's what we've got to deal with. Is it really? I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true at all. And what I've learned through this experience over the last month, regardless of how it comes out, is I have way more agency in my life than I ever imagined that I did. And I thought I had a lot. I have way more agency, way more autonomy, way more power in my life for what actions I take or don't take and impacts that I make in the world. You know, I'm just, I'm just a country boy from Arkansas, I mean, seriously. You know, no pedigree, nothing like that. The son of two civil servants who just showed me how, how, what right looks like and, and what doing the right thing looks like, just like many of you. And, and you know, yet here we are. Here we are in Washington, D.C. right now, you know, pushing back on a level of leadership that is inept and incompetent and immoral in some cases if we don't get this right. And... We have agency in our life that we didn't otherwise realize that we have. And I believe we are on the cusp of an upswing. I do believe that we are on the cusp of something that is potentially game-changing. But what will we do with it? <clears throat> what will you do with it? You know, I do these talks with you. I get up and do them because, hey, they make me feel better. But also I believe that there are lessons for all of us in storytelling. You know, we all have lived experiences. We all have things that we go through in life. And, and to share those lived experiences in real time in the service of others through the generosity of scars, I think is one of the most important things we can do as leaders. You know, it's about, it's about comparing notes along the way. It's about pulling up with each other and saying, this is what I'm seeing, what are you seeing? You know, because I know that how you lead and what you do in your life <clears throat> is so important. I've met so many of you. I hear from you. And, 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 and you don't have to be leading some movement <clears throat> like uh, pineapple to have extreme relevance in your life, to have deep impact with your arena. Whether you're a stay-at-home dad or you own your own business or a nonprofit or you're a corporate team member, the stakes are high. They've never been higher. It is life and death. It really is because we, it comes down to that deep breath, small, uh, shallow breath. Which one will it be? Because that is, those stakes couldn't be higher. Those go beyond even death. You know, those go into legacy and how you'll be remembered. And, and I honestly believe that right now, if we give our agency away, if we continue to give our agency away to amateurs and to leaders who are not invested they're not invested, you guys, yet we will beat the crap out of each other with an ax handle because our guy or girl did or didn't get into office. Yet they have no investment in us. They have demonstrated no risk, but we will kill each other over that person. Think about that for a second. 
we have slipped into a trance-like state of shadow tribalism because of the divisionist leaders who have pushed us that way over the years. We've come to believe that actually giving agency away to an amateurish politician or some kind of ideologue who is so entrenched and rigid in their belief system that they think one group is more important than another group. It's not, it's not the way we're wired to be. We're actually wired to connect with each other. We're wired to bridge. That's why reciprocity and empathy are so powerful. But we need leaders who accept that. We need leaders who connect and put connection above all else. When's the last time you saw that? When's the last time you saw a politician willing to take a risk that was bigger than herself? When's the last time you saw a politician willing to lay it on the line? When's the last time you saw a corporate leader willing to lead by example at sacrifice to oneself? You know, this is where it lives. This is who people follow. And as you're listening to this, my, my only closing thought with you is that relevance to people's goals and relatability to their pain is the most powerful thing we can do as leaders, is to strive to be relatable to one's pain and relevant to their goals. And if we simply strive for that as leaders, regardless of the scope, regardless of the stakes, regardless of the context, we're gonna find ourselves squarely in the arena. We're gonna find ourselves squarely in a position where people look at you for answers. They look to you for direction. They look for, to you for a path forward because nobody else is coming. Nobody else is providing that right now and this is our opportunity to do it. This is our opportunity to build a movement, to create an upswing. And it's gonna take one person at a time, but we can do it. All right, the traffic's getting loud. I've got to go put my day clothes on and get ready to try to help bring some more Afghans home. Thanks for what you guys do. Love you guys. Don't forget to put relationships before connections. And remember, nobody's coming. It's just you and me. But I'll take those odds all day long. I'll see you on the rooftop.